Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design, and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. A strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. Hey everyone, Catherine Avery of ProductivityByDesign.com and your host of the Uncluttered Office podcast. I am super excited because I have a friend and colleague with me today. She is in the same ADHD coaching program. I am a little bit ahead of me. And this is Jennifer Raphael. She goes by Jen. She loves helping people live their best lives and believes it is possible to thrive with the right tools and supports at every stage of life. Jen is a professional organizer and productivity specialist, a trained coach, and she worked in healthcare as a nurse for many years. She brings a lifetime of experience, a sense of humor, true, and a passion for empowering individuals and families navigating life transitions and the challenges of ADHD and other brain-based conditions. Jennifer is an RN, a CPO, a graduate of the Coach Approach Institute for Applied Coaching, and is an active member of NAPO, ICD, ACO, CHAD, and ADA. She founded Less Stress Organizing Solutions in 2013. Teen. So you're members of everything I am, except I'm not a member of NAPO. I remember the rest. So <laughs> we start to have all those letters behind our names, right? I know. It's almost kind of embarrassing to, like, it, the letters are for other people. Well, I'm, I I'm me with or without them. But. I think it helps people understand that we're versed in ADHD, that we're keeping up with our knowledge base possibly getting certifications. I've done some through ICD myself. So the letters help explain who we are and what is important to us, which is great. So who we are is two people who have ADHD, squirrel. Let's see how we do with focus. (laughs) And I'd love to start with sort of your story. How'd you find out you had ADHD? That is a good story. I think I'm in that group. There's This is a common tale, actually. I had heard of it, but I didn't know really what it was. I was under that misconception that so many people have that it's the little boy that can't sit still in the classroom. And I was diagnosed with uh, generalized anxiety disorder in my early 20s and heard a lot of things like, you're just too sensitive. You just need to calm down those kind of just do this kinds of comments and went about my life managing anxiety and figuring out what helped which we're going to talk about. When I had my son, when he was about three, so the first time that ADHD really kind of came up into my kind of 
closer to me was when he was about three and his best friend lived down the street, Caroline. Her dad was doing his medical training. And so the two families were really close. We had a lot in common, uh, military families. And we had both just moved into the neighborhood. And he pulls me aside one day and <clears throat> the husband, and he says, people are going to tell you that your son has ADHD, but it's overdiagnosed and don't, don't, don't go there. Yeah. So I had this thought and years later, as I was watching my son struggle in school, he saw something. He didn't understand it. I, w- I would love to have a conversation with that doctor now yeah. and see if he has a different attitude. And yeah, there's a squirrel and another conversation, right? So what does this have to do with me getting a diagnosis? Again, it's, it's, there are a lot of people who end up figuring that out as they're helping their kids. Yep. And that was my story too. So likewise. And it made everything make more sense, but I still didn't have a diagnosis. I suspected my son and I would sit there together and kind of joke about it. And he, you know, it's heritable, right? It doesn't mean that your parents have it. It's probably it's very likely, but again, that it's not an exact science. And he'd he'd say to me, Thanks, mom, because we had some shared struggles. And so I he, he thought I had ADHD. So he and I diagnosed me and it was, but I didn't have a formal diagnosis until my fifties. Right. But I heard it from people, people who were working with people with ADHD still in such negative ways, which yes, it can be really challenging and a real struggle, but I, am I a glass half empty or a glass half full person? I'm both. I think I, but I want people to have that hope. And I know there's something really good about it. And I just couldn't, I just refused to believe that there wasn't something more to this that people with a different brain style could offer to the world. I see too much of it and was looking for that for my son. So before I did it for myself, I did it for him. And that's interesting because I got the diagnosis first. For years, I knew I was differently wired. I just didn't know what or why or Frankly, I just didn't understand why everyone wasn't like me. (laughs) Why wasn't everyone else's brain like mine? And I was creating all these different strategies for managing things, not even realizing that I was managing my ADHD brain. And then I knew I had executive function stuff around my daughter when she was a teen. Now, probably middle school. And finally, the summer, the spring, I said, I'm going to get diagnosed for two reasons. Reason one was because I'm an ADHD coach. And it was really hard to keep saying, I have undiagnosed ADHD. Do you? Do you know what I mean? A little bit of the um, imposter thing going, like reverse imposter. And then I did it because I thought if I do it, my daughter will do it. And she's going to want that before she goes to college. She's going to want to be able to have that additional layer to her 504 that she already has. So there wasn't ever really a push come to shove moment until this year for me where I just really said, this is what I'm doing and this is who I'm working with. And I think that people who are coaching with ADHD coaches want the coaches to understand what it means to have that particular executive function challenge, or at least a similar one. Because I've certainly worked, and you probably have too, with um, someone who had a traumatic brain injury, you know, in that brain zone. So we can get them and understand them and be sympathetic, be empathetic, even more than sympathetic. I assume that's what led you to working with ADHD clients, but you can tell me yourself what made you decide to coach ADHD folks. Yeah, there's a lot of layers to that story too. I 
I like you, I was, I did a lot of things that helped me probably manage. As we know, like if you have those essential structures in place, right. life works pretty well. And I always think about like Einstein, like he must have had an amazing, like he had supports to be able to be as creative in his thinking as he was. I need order. And so for me, like I figured that out early on as a child. And there's a trauma piece we won't even go into. Right. But I, because I'm not a big fan of motivating people with negative consequences. Right. right? It's mean. It's mean to do it to ourselves and it's mean to do it to others, but it is something we've done for decades culturally, et cetera. So again, another squirrel we could chase for another conversation, but is there another way to approach this? And I just noticed that I would, you know, there's just, other ways to, I kind of lost my train of thought, but which is an ADHD thing as well. Like there's so many thoughts going on. So I call that 50 tabs open at any given time. (laughs) I think I read that on your website. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's so many ways I could answer that question. So why did I decide to work with people? The struggle is real. And I say that and it's cliche, but it is true. And do you need to have a brain-based challenge to work with people? with it? No, but I think it does. There are people that are looking for that. And so we're here for them. I remember in, in some business training years ago, hearing, you know, people say, oh, you know, you just have to say, you know, it's a numbers game and it's a this and it's a that. Or, and so a colleague more recently who doesn't have a brain-based condition say, why do you think you're not a good fit for everybody? And I said, because I'm not, and I cannot help everybody in the world, even though I've been that girl that wants to save everybody or die trying, I am, that is a hard place to come to going, I, you're not going to save everybody in your lifetime, but you're going to impact some people. And some of the people that you impact are going to impact other people. And that's cool too. And Cam mentioned that in class yesterday. And I really related to that. I thought, yes, it's, it's so true. There's this snowball effect in a good way. Maybe being a California girl, we don't have snow where I live. I'm like, ooh, snow, that pretty stuff comes from the sky. You have to scrape it off your car. Maybe not so fun. Yeah, you have to drive up to what, Tahoe to get snow? Um, Actually, if you drive about 45 minutes east of San Diego and go into the mountains there, we get snow in the winter. Wow. I don't have to go. Tahoe is pretty amazing, though. But it's a longer drive. And there, it's really lovely. <laughs> yeah. We're all, um, see, see here, here I go with my brain. One of those tabs was Tahoe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Skiing. First ski trip ever. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it was great. Great. And you actually sort of segued into essential structures. So we're going to go there and talk about this whole concept, which we learn in coaching school, where there are things we need in place to have great lives that support us while we're sort of wrestling with the pluses and minuses of ADHD. Because I'm not like all happy-go-lucky, ADHD is the greatest gift, you know, since sliced bread. But I'm also not negative, Nelly. oh, you know, my ADHD provides so many challenges that I can't ever enjoy life. That's baloney. You know, we can put the right essential structures in place. And take harness these incredibly superpowered, fast or deep researcher, deep thinker, creative brains 
and use them for good. So that was all a long-winded way to get to, let's talk about essential structures. I was really excited to hear that you interviewed Denslow Brown recently. And so anybody that's listening, if they listen to her first, there's already that kind of teaser. Right. And it also kind of helps, you know, gives me, um, I don't have to fill in as many gaps, but I'm going to read a little bit for my notes. So, so Denslow, really, this was hers. I played with it, but I don't take credit for it. It's hers for sure. But it's, a, it's an approach. It's a holistic approach, which, of course, I love that part of it, too, for creating that foundation for managing life. And I kind of see it like almost like a table, like a table is sturdy if the legs are solid and they're the same length. And we so what that foundation, then we can build on that and find those, you know, what do we want to put on the table? But we got to start with those essentials and was looking at. So it really resonated with me. So those are probably be helpful for people to know what they are. So these kind of table legs or boxes, whatever you want to call them, support, education, self-knowledge, and action. And, you know, to use Denslow's, having those in place, that's what leads us to a life that fits. And that's an important part of it too, because it's giving us permission to be ourselves and not try to fit into somebody else's mold or to meet those expectations. But that's hard. And that is part of the that um, self-knowledge that, you know, coming to understand yourself and accept what's different so that so that you can start to make the changes or go in the direction that are going to lead you to that life that you want. When we're fighting it, it's harder, as you know, as I know. Having a diagnosis, deciding to take medications, like that's part of, you know, that support and learning about it and going, okay, now I know what I'm working with. Otherwise, you're sort of shooting blind, which is a weird. So there's a huge piece of this, which is the education piece. And even though I knew how my brain worked, I didn't know specifically around the world of ADHD. And so I would start, I started studying in earnest, reading tons of books and, and getting fluent in what's ADHD and what's not and what's a gray zone. Yeah. And, and that's just one of those four legs of that table is this, and, and something we do in coaching, especially as ADHD coaches, is we help people understand their brains. So when someone says, oh, I, I always beat myself up because I do X, let's say um, run five minutes late. Well, you know, that's your ADHD. That's not just you being a bad person because you should be on time. You know, we talked about should and using the word should. And I learned an expression, shoulding all over yourself. Like, (laughs) can't stand the word should. I know you don't like it either. So there are ways we can address what we've got, you know, who we are inside and not just ADHD. I mean, I also have clients who deal with anxiety or depression, et cetera to help our brains, to help support our brains. So I think also of when you say supports, who are the people in your life who are supportive and who are not? Because it's not just about who is, but who is not. You know, if someone's not supportive, that may not be the person who you want to joke around about, I was being so ADHD there. They may be like, I don't want to hear anything about it. I don't care. Buck up and get it done. 
That's true. And that happens in families, that happens in the work setting. And we know that, and again, I'm using ADHD as it's one of many brain-based conditions. And there are, I haven't had a client who didn't struggle with some level of anxiety, whether they have a separate anxiety disorder on top of ADHD or whether as you manage ADHD and life works better, the anxiety piece gets better. Absolutely. And having and, and and it didn't for me. What's so interesting is I was diagnosed with depression caused by anxiety. So my initial diagnosis was anxiety. And a lot of time and a lot of years learning how to manage anxiety and being in therapy, et cetera. And my therapist never once said, Have you ever considered that you might have ADHD? Never. Mine, mine never did. Yeah. And 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 he's got ADHD. So I was kind of like when I started uncovering this, you know, knowledge about ADHD, first executive function. And then, in fact, the very first book I bought was Ari Tuckman's um, something like Get More Done, Understand Your Brain or Understand Your Brain. I'll put it in the show notes. Sorry, people. So He's one of my favorite. I adore, I adore him. He's brilliant. And it's executive function stuff. So it was, for me, it was understand the executive function, whether or not it was ADHD. And it is. I've been diagnosed combined type. But I was fascinated because there really is this need in the medical community to understand that a lot of the folks who are diagnosed with anxiety have this underlying condition of ADHD. And I hate the word comorbidity. I won't use it. It's concurrent with coexisting or, yeah, there's, yeah, there's some kinder ways to say it that don't feel so heavy. <laughs> yeah. The word morbid is like, uh, ah, I'm not plan on dying. No. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. So. And that kind of leads us right into this whole idea of the brain and something you brought up in class yesterday, which was about neuroplasticity and positive memory collections. And I, I just jumped. I love words. So <laughs> I'm an English lit major. I've always been fascinated by words. I'm really, but you know, because you've seen in the conversations we've had on, we have like a forum for class where I'm like, what about this word? What about that? Let's try this. Let's try that. So you know, that's that's the positive side of my ADHD is all this creative word making. So long story longer, let's talk about what you meant by positive memory collections. Yeah, so I think as humans, we are wired to, it, it goes way back probably to the caveman day, right? It's, it's a, It was a, a way, it's a protective, it, it's part of our neurobiology, right? Protective to kind of expect something bad to happen. So we've already got that pathway really deeply, firmly entrenched with ADHD and other brain-based conditions. If we're not measuring up to what other people are expecting of us, we're hearing a lot of negative messaging. So again, that path gets, it's like that, you know, you're riding on the curb with your bike because you want to see if you can do it. Have you ever done that? I don't know what you're talking about. I was never that crazy. Never. No. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no. So, and you slip off. It's a Bump, it hurts. <laughs> so, you know, we fall off the curb a lot. What if we could have another pathway that feels good? And I just, again, I'm that the glass half empty part of me is like, yeah, what about what happens if we start paying attention to what's working and sitting with it? And I really appreciated that piece in our class that we just completed that. Completed. We. I didn't like the word completion in the beginning because I thought it was. I didn't either. <laughs> but now I'm. I find myself saying it and using it more, even in the last few days, because 
we made that definition bigger and broader. And it sometimes it's stopping to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. Right. Like making that choice, noticing what we're doing. Is that a completion too? Like to pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Right. It's not just finishing the task list. It's not that prize at the end. What if every piece along the way is something? And then when we have those big, like all those pieces that bring us to something that we've been working really hard to accomplish, like to savor that and have that, you know, whatever that looks like, whether it's a list you build or a journal you keep or recordings or some kind of visuals that remind you that you're more than being late and struggling with that or whatever, because it shows up. A lot of us have similar challenges, but then it also can show a little bit differently for each person and depending on those other coexisting <laughs> conditions. It's just, it, it were complicated, right? So we know that having, we need more of those experiences of positive experiences. And, it, and I, I've kind of wondered about like trauma. If we can have, if somebody with PTSD, and I don't mean to minimize or diminish the experience, I know that it is incredibly difficult and, and complex, but the event is not happening for that person. And yet they feel in, for them, it is happening. And it doesn't matter if anyone else would be triggered by the, for that person in that moment or that time, they're experiencing it again and reliving it. And it's horrible. What if we could take that same idea with positive memories and sit long enough with that memory to have that sense? What would that do for us? I mean, we know that we're, that we get more neurochemicals from those positive experiences. And Dr. Hollowell, another one of my favorite resources, and he, I know he has ADHD, he's in his 70s now. Um, and he and Dr. Rady just released ADHD 2.0, which I know is really good. Yet. I've got, I'm on the wait list. I can't wait. Oh, to- I'd push it through the computer if I could and give it to you. Oh, do you have it? I do. Huh, I wonder why. It's on audio too. Did you order it? Yeah, maybe I'm waiting for the hardback version as opposed to the oh, online. Maybe. It may have sold out. So this could even be, I mean, this kind of ties into essential structures again, even like how these, these all connect to each other. So it's not like you work on, I mean, you can do it your, your way, which is again, something really cool for, for us. The beauty right? of coaching, right? We're, we meet our clients where they are, and then we move with them through the process where they are. And how all these these bubbles or you know support and education. Sometimes one we might be doing something that sort of fits into all of these. Is it important to know? Well, which box am I checking off? Right. Probably not. Like I like to find those densely nutritious nuggets and work there first. And it always seems to come back to self care. Oh, always, always. And it's so funny because I'm working with a client now who I just think the world of. She's amazing. And she was really giving herself a hard time. She was shooting on herself about how she should have done the homework from last week. And then in the next breath, she says, I did this wonderful art project to spend time with my sons. We were playing with Sculpey and this whole nine yards. And I said, yeah, I assigned that to you a month and a half ago and you just did it. Yes. Completion and accomplishment. Like, let's talk about how you put boundaries around making an art project spend time with your family and all these great things. And now you can apply that to this really difficult work problem you're having. But 
not till we celebrate this because you have said, mom, you wanted to have more time to be a mom and be with your kids and do some art creative stuff. And here you just made this beautiful moment with your kids, right? So sometimes when we're coaching our clients, we think they're going here along this track and then they take a little veer and they go somewhere else. And it's equally beautiful. It's in fact, sometimes it's even more so. So, you know, when we're talking about neuroplasticity, what I'm thinking about is like, how do you lay the new tracks, right? How can we help our clients lay new tracks? So they're not always going down the negative track. They've got other tracks to go down. I'm going to do this as quickly as I can. I was, when I had chemo, I got chemo brain after, and I ended up getting depression. And I couldn't understand why I was having depression because I wasn't depressed. I'd really gone through this whole thing. I'd managed it just fine. And it was, in fact, a chemical depression. And the story that the top guy at Norwalk Hospital for literally for people who were oncological psychiatrists, I think is what he was called. Mm -hmm. He said this, and it was fascinating. He said, you already had the track in your brain because you've had depression before, but you know how to go on other tracks. So you just would go on those other tracks and you just weren't going down the depression track. And he said, the problem is chemically stuff has happened and it's forcing you down this track, even though that's not a track you deal with anymore. So he said, you can be frustrated and get all upset with yourself, but that's ridiculous. We'll just put you on some medication. We'll get you past this situation and you'll be fine. And the fact is he was absolutely patently 100% right. Yeah took the meds. Over time, the chemo brain resolved itself. The chemicals got out of my body, whatever. I was doing all the right things, exercising, eating right, you know, Mm -hmm. essential structures, right? But there's a track. And once you've got that track, it's still there. It's just you choose not to go down it anymore because you're building new tracks. Yeah. How So how to build new tracks? I think that that depends on the person, right? That's personalized too, just like coaching is. Right. So for you, you have a chemical imbalance component. You have to address that piece too. Otherwise, all those other things are not enough. Right. They help. So for anybody that is listening, start, you've got, we've got to start somewhere. So to think it's not the matrix, wouldn't it be great? I used to joke with my son about that because it was one of his favorite series at the time. We can't plug in and just have it all there. We have to get out of our, we have to start somewhere and start practicing and it's messy and we make mistakes and it's really helpful. So back to that, that support piece too, like who can you have that conversation with and say, I tried this and I messed up but I'm going to try again, or, or I messed up. And that person says to you, I'm really proud of you for trying. We need those people in our lives. We need to know who we can have a conversation with that we don't need to set it up with. Cause you know, there, again, there are those people that go, Oh, that's in your head. It doesn't, it's a thing or you'll outgrow it. Have you tried fish oil? Well, yes, nutrition is important, but that doesn't make it go away. It, it supports us. It's important to have those pieces in place. So, and the more we can do for ourselves and have that that agency and that self advocacy, that helps build those pathways too. I think when somebody's doing for us, it's not the same. 
Mm. So when we're tempted, and this is something I struggled with coming from a nursing background where I'm expected to have all the answers and not make mistakes. And, you know, people, you're the expert. I'm not the expert in your life. I'm your thinking partner. And that's different. And being like, not thinking that I have to have all the answers and gives that person confidence. No, I have, you have the answer. So let's, let's sit with that. It's pretty cool. I'm not pretty cool. It's amazing. I love it. So yeah, I feel sometimes where we're supposed to be finds us. (laughs) People will ask me, why did you leave nursing? And I say, I didn't. Everything I've done up until this point has led me to where I am. I've been where I'm supposed to be. This is, life is not a destination. It's this, it's all of it. Right. Right. And, um, otherwise you miss a lot if we're waiting for the prize. Right. Right. We're not motivated by prizes unless they're right here. Especially that ADHD is like, right? where's that goal out there somewhere? To, not tangible. What? I, yeah, I, I have a little hack for, um, that when people are shooting on us or we're shooting on ourselves, something that I was, that was a therapist in my twenties, she suggested that I insert the word could when I caught myself saying should, she said, change that to could and sit with that. And it really is powerful right? to say, I could, you might do the same thing, but now I'm making the decision and I have agency. If That's I'm shooting yep. on myself, then it feels external. Even if the decision, even, even if the choice I make, now I'm deciding for myself. I still should on myself. It's, it's a deep path, but we've got other tracks to go down and it's good to keep working on them. We could go down that track for sure. <laughs> so as we're wrapping up, I'd love to know what's your number one or favorite or any productivity strategy you'd love to share. Well, because we talked about so many things. I know. So what's a great productivity strategy you enjoy using either for you or your clients? See you opening a book. Well, can I share two things? One that kind of more meta and one that's really practical. Sure, go for it. I because love it. Especially for people with ADHD. And again, I know there's a lot of other challenges, but we need to start somewhere. So what I'm going to say is planner pad is one of my favorite productivity hacks or tools, if you will. I mean, I have so many I could spend an hour giving you all my oh my gosh right we could do a whole episode on digital versus paper planners yeah but the piece that I like about this okay first of all it's a place to just the tunnel like you know funnel idea like right brain dumping getting it out of your head so that we can sleep better and being okay with using paper if that's what you need and you know we didn't talk about modalities which is part of understanding yourself I mean again there's just so many things that we could talk about Use a tool that works for you, I would say. So if a planner pad doesn't work and you do better with digital, but having a place to collect somewhere we can trust that we know where it is right? so that we trust that that it's still there when we have time for something. Because we don't lack for creativity. We don't uh, lack for ideas. ideas. It's the like, oh my gosh, life isn't long enough to act on all these. What do you mean you have to pick one the other, so I'm going to give you a second one because in ADHD fashion, I would say the other thing, if you do anything for yourself is read Renee Brown. Yeah, The Gifts of Imperfection. The Gifts of Imperfection is one of my favorite books. I still, I reread it a 
a few months ago. And I think it's going to be my read it once a year book. Mm. Or one of my once a year book because it is so important to let go of thinking of it's in her title let go of who you think you're supposed to be and embrace who you are and I think if everybody needs to hear that we do Amen. because there are gifts Dr. Hollowell says they're just wrapped in really tight paper and a lot of tape and, but, they, but they are there absolutely Absolutely. Thank you so much. This was amazing. I could talk to you for an hour and a half. I know we will at some point. It's so fun. It just gives us energy, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you so much for being on. Where can people find you? Less-stress.com. I keep it simple because that is another. Yeah, let's keep it simple. And that's what people are looking for. So less-stress.com. Sounds super. I'm so glad to have had you on. Thank you so much, Jenna. Thank you. Thank you for um, sharing. Sad we're done with class. I know. But we're going to figure out other ways to stay connected. We are. Take care. Thank you so much, Catherine. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast with Catherine Avery. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. Do you find the holidays completely overwhelming because you're trying to do all the things? For most of us, the perfect holiday is something we only see in a Hallmark movie. But we can have holidays with less stress and more joy. I'm very excited to introduce the Uncluttered Holidays program. It's the gift you give yourself. You can find it at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y backslash holidays program. And yes, there's an S in holidays, bit.ly holidays program. I'll be sure to put it in the show notes. I hope I'll see you there. And if you've liked what you've heard, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.